This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Good afternoon, legends. We've got the super coach guns for the front row forward position and the 2RF position as well today. And I have ranked them in position that I think of most importance in your side, selecting them for round one. So Payne Haas up top at 750.4K, the average is 73.5. So you're looking at that and it's very clearly Haas up top as sort of the best starter is the way you need to look at him. And you know that he's going to get this pretty much most weeks. Like you saw last year, he actually started the first six games averaging 80, which was great. And that's what we're selecting this guy, Payne Haas, for is that first six games here. And at least by that point, you're looking to hold him all the way through until close to origin. And then uh, you could potentially move him on from there or hold him for the entirety of the year if there's not much available in that front row forward position from a value perspective or you know, any of those guys coming up into gun status. So... There's obviously a couple of guys here in Adafinal Blake and Tino that are in that 70 plus range, but we do know that, that Haas is going to be the most consistent. Adafinal Blake relies a little bit more on tries, and Tino is very much a back half of the year specialist there and does have the buy in round two. So Payne Haas is our number one selection here. Just sneaking into the gun category is Ruben Cotter in this one. So I picked a, a little bit above a 50 average was going to be my cutoff for this one in the front row forward, given it's a, a fairly lowly position. So with Ruben, he's fairly cheap, obviously, at 540 with some bounce back potential for sure. So he averaged 59 last season in 2022, and his minutes were all over the shop. So the big question here is, will the stars align? Can it all work together? Can he get those minutes in check on a regular basis? And can he get his PPM up? Because that was the worst part of last year was that he was still getting some decent minutes, but his PPM went down. 
and there were still games where he played some lower minutes as well. So if he can get both of those together, given his dual position as well, and one of not many players in this front row forward position, until round one teams are announced, and we might get a couple more, but until then, he is that more mid-range guy, him and also Jack DeBellin, that are dual position between the front row and also the second row. So Ruben Cotter, an interesting one at that. I don't think you're going to lose out on Cotter. And he, out of all these guys here, has some potential for some value to be made on him. So that's Ruben. Tino, he's a 791, so he had an absolute banger of a second half of the season, dominating there, scoring it. I ended up scoring six tries in total. He's very expensive at this point, so I think you've got to wait for the drop. The buy in round two, you don't really want your best front row forward. You're going to have, you know, being out in round two, you're going to have to play him. So you're going to have to play one of your bench guys, which, you know, we are, we are unsure currently if they're going to be any good for your sides at this point. So that's Tino with that one. Adam Fanua Blake, he's a 740k, which is pretty expensive as well. The 72.5, we spoke about him. It was a bit of a breakout season for him. Scored lots of tries, very close to that 10 mark, um, and no upside on him. So I think you can avoid Adam Fanua Blake to kick things off here. Just that there's a chance that he averages somewhere in the mid, mid to high 60s. And also, uh, a, couple of the, a couple of these other guys will probably average higher and are a similar price in Payne Hath. So, that's that for him. Jack DeBellin, probably a little bit more, a little bit less upside than that of Ruben Cotter and a little bit more expensive at 40k extra. So, that's why he's down here in number five. But has the 2RF jewel as well, like we said. He's likely to be a, a sort of 60 to 63 average guy. If you take out his bench games, that's what he was scoring there. But we are unsure currently of what minutes are going to look like with Shane Flanagan, with him at 13. And I was listening to a podcast yesterday and with uh, with Guru, I think, and he was he was listening to Flanagan. This is some serious insight and, and listening skills. But uh, he was listening to one of the games where Shane Flanagan was in commentary. And they said, he, he was saying that, oh, I just feel like Jabellin's playing too many minutes. So read into that what you will. But uh, that could be a little bit hurtful. But they do need other. They obviously do need guys to cover that position as well. So maybe, you know, if Jack Bird doesn't get the center position, maybe he's playing some thirteen. There's a few other guys that they, they could come in and play that as well. But no real clear standouts. And you got Hamsele in there. You got Blake Laurie in the in the middle there. Who would play thirteen? That's the the big question there. Uh, but no Origin jewel. There's plenty of things to like about Debellin for sure. Let's go to Joe Tarpany. A six fifty six and a half k. So last year's sixty four point three average. He was very like he, I owned him for most of the year, and he was just very much a guy that just got somewhere near that that score each and every week. The PPM still incredible, given he's a fifty minute guy, um, but just yeah, he just finds trouble getting those bigger minutes. And then the attacking stats were kind of put away for for Joey as well, so pretty frustrating across the board for for him there. Uh, the massive PPM, as I said, but there isn't much more he can go unless he was to get big minutes. He got Smithies coming in, you know, the start of the season. He's missing Horsburgh given he's out for suspension. So it could be potentially a couple extra minutes, but we don't want to take that gamble or take that guess at this point, to be honest with you, with Joe. All right, let's go to the two RFs now. So there's only six in that first one. I'm personally, I think I'm going to be going for either mid-range to lower tier, especially if we get some options on that. Um, but if you do want to go for one of those guys, a few of them have some value or a, a good reason to select them in round one. For the two RFs there, for feeder up top at 832, very, very expensive, obviously, but coming off an 81.5 average with so many hundred games in his uh, in his range last year. Anything in the 80s, I think, 
for someone like Fafida is going to be peak. And yeah, he got to that last year. Coming off an, un, yeah, an interrupted preseason with his partial pec tear and his rehab for that, yeah, I think you leave him to start, to be honest with you there, but still expect the best average of this group somewhere in the mid-70s for him. And then he'll have times throughout the year where he goes nuts. And you know, with that buy-in round two, I think that he's someone that you could easily leave at that price, given it's really early. I think you know from round three or four, you could kind of pick a top gun, but you do want to start really well and get things rolling. And last thing you want is to be relying on sort of a three or 400 guy in, in that, uh, in that first couple of rounds, especially from, uh, you know, a front row forward or something like that. If you have to move things around or even, you know, you can cop like one center wing. You don't want to be doing it in any other top positions like the halves or the, or the, or the five eights or, or the fullbacks, for example. So that's something to note. And, and if you're likely to be having Jaden Campbell in your side, then then you'd have him as well out in that second week. So that's for feet up, not for me at the start. Britton Nickera, really for him, it's going to be more of the same. I think if uh, if the Sharks improve a little bit in their attack, I thought they were a little bit clunky last year. I think he can be a 73 guy for sure. Has no origin, has a lovely start to the season. They have one of the best draws for sure. So Nickera, definitely someone you could easily start with. They have a buy in round five, so it could be like a four-week play. Um, see how he goes and then make your decision on if you're holding him or not from there because they have a, a lovely start, as I said. This 2RF position is an interesting one because there are a few guys in here that, that are of value or someone that you could think you can get a good start with and that's someone like Nicara, someone like Cam Murray as well, but there are so many mid-range guys which we'll go through in the in the next few videos when we get to those mid-range players and, and again, mid-range is probably where I'm going to go in this position as well and spend up a little bit elsewhere. Cam Murray is 639.3, average is 62.6. His previous four years, he's yet been anywhere between a 68 to a 71 average. So you could definitely expect some bounce back on that. He had a little bit of a, a lowly season, unfortunately, just losing losing a lot. Like any, you know, losing origin, his team struggled really hard in the second half of the season in the Rabbitohs, uh, lost for Australia. So there's a, a lot for him to play for and to get back to... To, to good to good ways for him. He you know his penalty count was up crazy. I think he went from like 0.4 a game to 1.1 per game. Uh, errors were up a little bit as well, and and just uh, wasn't able to get his sort of general tackle breaks and and offloads from there. He kind of put the offload away. Bit of a strange season for Murray, and and he could definitely bounce back with all those stats for sure. Back to the mean that is, of good 748 average is 73.3. So he had you know close to the best season in the two RF. Obviously second to that of um, Tino, who's dual position, and then Fafita as well. So he's third in that list. But at the moment, I just think he's slightly overpriced. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. 
think the minutes will drop a little bit with their Eels being back fully on deck. And, you know, with the lack of injuries coming into the season, I still think he's top tier. But, yeah, it's a, it's a, bit, of an, a bit of an interesting one. I think we need to see him drop first, and then we could have a look at him at a later date. Uh, potentially, if he doesn't make origin, he could be a guy through that middle, I think. Isaiah Yo, 69 average, 704.5K, had a cracker of a season, ended up scoring a few tries as well. So, not a, a large amount of regression you could see to the to the up part of the mean uh, with, with Isaiah Yo, if you're looking to get more out of him. I, just, I think you'll get exactly what what he's priced at right now, most likely. Career year for him. Uh, Olakwatu, 685, the average 699.8K. So just under 700 there. I just don't see him going above this average and probably only for stretches of games. Uh, if Manly are hot there, will, will he do something crazy? And that 177 at the end of the season with that paired with the 100 or 90 odd, uh, has ruined his price, unfortunately. If he was somewhere around the 64 mark and about 650, 650K, then you could probably look at him. But I just don't see him scoring over 70 on a regular basis throughout the first sort of 10 rounds or so, because that's probably how long you'd, you'd look to keep him, um, unless he was absolutely killing it. And if he was, then, then you're sweet. But I do see it as a pretty big risk to start with him, given that he's likely to be a, a mid-60s to lower-60s guy for a lot of the season. And we'll have his little stretches there. Number seven is Isaiah Papali'i. So the reason he is this low, given how I'm going to speak about him now, is because of the round one buy. I find it very, very difficult to start with any decent price players that have a buy in round one. And we're not sure which side he's going to play on. There's a few things there. But he averaged 78 and 79 in both 2022, uh, 2021 and 2023, I should say, on that one. Uh, 2022, sorry. And uh, with him, the new halves combination, does he get a little bit extra ball? Does he get better ball? There's a few question marks there, and I think that it can't get any worse than last year, to be honest with you. We're going to have to find out in round two. So I think he's a potential bounce-back gun for sure. I just don't think he got good enough ball, either close to the line uh, or in general. A lot of times, it was kind of like lucky that the ball came out to him rather than like, oh, we're trying to get him good good footy and get him one-on-one with, with, the, with the halfback or whatever it was. So... That's that for uh, for him there. Moving on to Eli Katoa at 656k, the 64 average. So he had a very, very, very up and down year. Started really well, but didn't score any tries. So he had a few line breaks and the like in there, which was helpful. And he did score some tries at the end, which ended up in big scores. So he had a bunch at the start that were good with line breaks and some and some assist work. And then in the back end, he scored some tries. So that middle section, he had some concussions. He had some low games where nothing was sort of happening. The storm were a little bit clunky. So this year, I think we, if we can get him close, averaging close to 80 minutes there because he had those concussion games and the like, then he's going to be pretty well a 70 guy in my opinion. And that gives you probably 50 or so thousand dollars worth of value with the same or likely more tries, I think. They, they do have Sean Bloor now on the left and that could you know split things up a little bit, but they do love to go down... Jerome Hughes' side anyway, splitting splitting the time on both. And and obviously, guys like Will Warbrick are improving on that side. If they go with Remus Smith, we know that um, that side can be pretty formidable. That's for sure there. So he's definitely an option. Paddy Carrigan at 684. So he's a little bit more expensive than that of Katoa and uh, average 67. But that was his tied best year from you know, four years ago, whatever it was, when he was playing ridiculous minutes. And he's up, up six minutes on last year. So it's very hard to see some upside for Paddy, unless he gets edge time where he can score a couple of tries like he did last year. So 
very, very high in the minutes, you know, in that high 60s there. And a nice PPM, but I just don't see the the upside on him. And they probably won't need him to play close to 80. Although Isaiah does it, but uh, it's a very dis- different scenario, that's for sure. Different coaching and all the like. Tall Harris there, so 680K, 66.6. I, I would expect more of the same from Tohu. An uptick in creative stats he had last year. And he had a slight reduction in minutes. So do they cancel each other out? Probably, like he could play a few extra minutes, but does he get all the all the creative stats that he got last year? He was so impressive, Otohu. Um hanging on, hanging in on on the thread of his knees, that's for sure. One one leg, but uh, yeah, did a good job. Scotty Sorensen and John Bateman to finish things off. Six hundred seventy six k PM average is sixty six. He had a few interchange games at the start of the season, so brings his average down. He scored four tries, which there could potentially be more scope for a couple more tries there. The main worry with him is the minutes each game. So he's somewhere between that 60 to 80, some 59s, 61s, 65s, uh, all the way up into the 70s and 80s there. And it's really hard to pinpoint what kind of minutes he's going to get because you look at what was, wasn't great reading for the most part. He, he scored uh, decently in one of the finals games that they had, three finals games they had, and then the others he scored fairly low. And, and minutes in all of them were around that 60 mark. So he'd get taken off at that point. Um, in, in all of them. So is that more of what we're going to expect from him? Or is he now... The other thing to think about in those finals games is that Liam Martin would play the 80 minutes, which for the majority of the year, Liam Martin doesn't go near 80 minutes, not consistently anyway, and, and that could go to Sorensen instead. I think one of the two back rowers will play 80 minutes, considering they don't have Hosking anymore. And hopefully it is Sorensen if you are looking to select him. But it could be Martin as well. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a guessing game on that. Martin usually increases his minutes come origin and come finals time. So Sorensen could be the guy that they play for bigger minutes leading in yeah, for the entirety of the season. Have his breaks at random times, but more 80-minute games. And then he'll play the 60 in, in finals time. Yeah, could be the thought. That's where I'm going with at the moment. And then Johnny Beerman, 623K, average of 61.1. So... Similar to that of Isaiah Papali, he was fairly low in his scoring. Obviously, the buy-in round one hurts. He mainly scored a lot of his points through base stats, which is, is great, but that means probably a little bit of scope for some attacking stats, given they were very clunky. And again, he wasn't able, uh, he wasn't able to get good ball. Neither was Bateman, for the most part. A few injuries at the beginning of the season, so in the preseason before he even started. And then in the middle of the season, he had a game where he pulled out with a hammy complaint, I believe, um, in the warm-up. Which people are like, oh yeah, Johnny's out. Like we didn't, not many people owned him at that point, so it was fine. So you could definitely see an uptick in his second year, returning back, and this probably would be the year I think, and, and the last one that we could see him being like a top tier gun. And then after that, it might slow down a bit, but that doesn't matter until until twenty twenty five. But at this point, so him and Isaiah Papali, you guys that you want to have a look at post round one, and all the rest here, um, yeah, some some are right on their on the money. And what they're going to average, and other guys have probably five or so points of, of value in them, which could be cool. And I suppose some of them you can go go with like the Nickeras and, and the like there of, are they going to have a good run to start the season? I can get away from the pack a little bit with some you know 80s, 90s, and 100s over that first five or so weeks and uh, yeah, push away and then um, yeah, kind of play it from there. So there's lots to think about with the front row forward and the two RF. Like, do you have one gun in each position? Do you go a paint house and a and a Nicara or a Murray or something like that across each of the two positions and then fill it out with the mid-rangers from there and the cheapies 
Or do you just go all mid-range and cheapy? And I think that's the way I'm playing it, just so I can go big in other positions, like fullback or, or like half, which we'll get to when I um, yeah, show my team a little bit. But that's where we're at with the, those two those two positions there. Hope you enjoyed this one, guys. Thank you for being here. And thank you for you know participating in the Supercoach side of things. Obviously, we're very much a fantasy channel, but uh, I do like my Supercoach as well. So that's that. See you guys.